You know, the things in your life that cause you so much heartache during the week would, would get smaller if God would get bigger in your mind. It's not that God is not big. It's just that he's not big to you sometimes. It depends what you spend your week looking at. And I think that I love coming to church because the worship just focuses us on the God of the impossible. Since when has he ever done anything that's actually possible? He reigns above it all, man. Sometimes he just picks you because you're all messed up and sinful. And he picks your marriage to fix just because he wants to. He looks at everybody in Israel. and There's one guy that's being a real pain in the neck to Christians and jailing. And he's like, I think I want that guy to preach the gospel. And in fact, he's going to write half of the New Testament because I want to. When you come in here, the fragrance of the Holy Spirit is here. Can you feel it? There's, we're trying to connect you with the Holy Spirit right there. And the fragrance of the Holy Spirit, when you're in his presence, you start thinking along different, he starts reworking your mind and your heart into what he can actually do with your life if you'd hand it over to him. And the fragrance of the Spirit in worship and the fragrance of the Spirit when we humbly submit to the word of God, being preached so that he can fix you, so that he can bless you. It's just the powerful honor of God coming into this place. I want you to leave with that fragrance on your life. I had a, a life-changing experience a couple of months ago. I, I was at uh, the Raglan's house. Anybody know Paul and Candace Raglan? Yeah, they're okay. Um, <laughs> no, they're great friends of ours. And um, when I, I had to use the washroom, and so I just went into the washroom. And I'm like, I don't take my phone into the washroom. I don't really want to be in the washroom any longer than I have to be in the washroom. And, uh, but I had a life-changing experience. Sean, I walked into that Candace Raglan's bathroom and I'm like, it smells incredible in here. I spent extra bathroom time in there. I'm like, this is a, oh my goodness. And I went to wash my hands and I, I washed my hands because that's what I always do. You know, when you're in a public washroom and somebody walks out and you're like, wait a minute. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. I washed my hands. I might have done it again. I realized the smell is coming from that, that bottle of hand soap. Now, I in my lifetime have spent a total of zero seconds thinking about hand soap. Hand soap is on a budget, man. Just like, just tell me that it cleans. I don't care if it does, just tell me that it cleans. But now I'm into luxury hand soap. <laughs> For Christmas, I got luxury hand soap. It's the same hand soap as Candace Raglan's bathroom. Because I went home and I'm like, Aaron, my bathroom does not smell like that bathroom. And we need to change something. The Lord is speaking. And something happened to me that day. I walked in there and like this fragrant aroma. And then I washed my hands and then I... <laughs> Don't do that if you don't wash your hands. I did it. Am I, I walk straighter now. My shoulders back. My confidence level is up. My wife can't keep her hands off of me. Got a promotion at work. I'm telling you, I, the right hand soap, everybody can do it. You think I'm joking, but you just don't know. It's like trying to tell somebody at work what it felt like when Jesus saved you and they don't think... They don't believe you because I'm like, well, try it for yourself. It's up to you, man. If you want happy, I got extra. Gentlemen, if you need a date, they're not going to care if you're an idiot. Just use the right hand soap. I'm telling you, like, just be like, hey, you want to smell my hands? Yeah. What's up? 
It's powerful. Don't do that. It's powerful. The presence of the Holy Spirit here wants to leave with you. But if you don't properly apply the presence of the Holy Spirit to your heart and, and your mind, you'll, you'll experience him here and the generosity. We're talking today about generosity and, and, and rebound, how to rebound financially. Generosity, giving back to God, specifically tithing and giving our tenth back to God. If you want to apply the great generosity, if God is like, oh, okay, I need to fix the human problem, it's going to cost me Jesus. This is 100% of heaven that was sent down to earth to fix you because of his great love towards you. And God gives generously and then you, you, but if you won't apply it to your heart and your mind, you'll walk out of here and walk out into your relationship and walk out into work and walk out with your neighbors and you won't have the fragrance of the Holy Spirit applied to your life. But generosity and, and how we treat money is, is sort of like that. You see, we come in here and we, and we experience the extravagant, extravagant generosity of God. And then when God asks us to be generous with somebody else with his extravagance, we're like, well, and what, what do you want next from me? Did you miss the part about you had nothing? And that your life is saved and belongs to God now? And he's going to teach you how to run your finances in the generosity of heaven so that the fragrance leaves with you. And you take your, what God has blessed you, the forgiveness, and you take it and you forgive your teenagers and you forgive your husband. Come on, ladies. All right. I am preaching about tithing this morning. Thanks, Sean. I, uh, I'm preaching about giving. And, uh. Guess who didn't have one flat tire this morning? Guess who had two flat tires? This guy. Guess who's preaching about tithing? This guy. I could probably explain the past week that you have. It was probably a distraction to keep you from coming here today so that God could light your finances on fire and your life on fire. And I can guarantee that most of what you dealt with this week was a distraction from the devil because the devil knows if he can keep you away from this, then you can't unravel his work in your life. But if you just give a tenth back to God, then God actually rebukes the devourer for you. You spend your time rebuking the devil. Sometimes God's like, give me tenth so that I can do it because I got this and I got this. Um, that was new. I like that. Listen, Jesus loves you just the way you are. So we're not talking about Jesus loving you more. Sometimes Christians get all weird about this. Unchurched people, man, it's easy preaching to them about giving because they've given a lot of their lives away and they're just like, oh, and this works like this? Oh, okay, that's easy. Um, see, Jesus loves you just the way you are. So when we give to God, when we obey God, when we live a righteous life, like my daughter, Neela, I'm going to love her no matter what she does, right? And I'm, not, I'm a flawed father. Like she could grow up to be an idiot and I would still love her. And you can grow up to be an idiot and God would still love you because God is love. He can't help himself. But for him to bless you, for my daughters to be blessed in their lives, they're going to have to do what only they can do so that God can do what only God can do. Sometimes you're asking God to do what only you can do. And you keep praying for your, your son. And God's like, why don't you go over there and rebuke him? And cast the devil out of God will be like, hey, that's your part. This is my part. It's a good partnership because you don't actually do all that much. Um, listen, when, when you're born into the kingdom of God, you have nothing to offer God. And I love spiritual babies. They're cute. They slobber. They got to learn how to use the potty. Spiritual babies. Man, I love spiritual babies. But spiritual babies who are 30 aren't cute anymore. And some of us need to grow up in the faith. 
and grow up in the generosity of God because we've been putting off some things that he's trying to use to bless us. And so spiritual babies don't fight spiritual battles. And so the devil wants you to be a spiritual baby so that you keep getting knocked out every, every Monday morning after church. You get, keep getting knocked out for the whole week and it takes you out for the whole week and the whole month. Man, when you grow up in the faith and you begin to soldier, you get over Monday's problems by Monday night. And then Tuesday to, to Friday to Saturday to Sunday, you hurt the devil in your life and you hurt the devil in the lives. Man, I'm preaching this. Lord, send me to a different people who will help me preach. <laughs> Listen, giving doesn't make Jesus like you more. There's this work called sanctification. That is setting yourself apart for the Lord your God so that the Lord can make everything you touch turn to gold. Now, giving doesn't make Jesus like you. It makes you like Jesus. So you'll never look more like Jesus than when you give. God so loved the world that he gave. At Venue Church, we say we give because we love. Fathers, if you say you love your children, but you never give, you don't provide, you don't put a roof over their head, stop calling it love because it's not love. You want to look like but giving is where you tell where a person's heart is at. And so giving doesn't make Jesus like you. He will always like you. He likes idiots. He loves sinners. He loves, he loves me at my worst. He loves me, but he wants the best for me. It makes me like Jesus two ways. Like Jesus two ways. It makes me look more like Jesus. And it makes my heart like Jesus more. Sometimes you're like, I wish that I would love God more. And God's like, give me your treasure because your heart, remember, follows your treasure, not the other way around. You want a heart change. Okay. Give yourself a heart change. Um, sometimes what we do though, is we, I used to wire up control boxes and sometimes you'd have all the materials in a control box, an electrical control box to turn on a bunch of lights in a building, or sometimes you'd have all of the, the right materials there, but because the wires weren't quite in the right place in your budget, sorry, in the control box, the lights wouldn't come on. And I think that most of you are probably in a place where you're either doing this or you're real close, but all you have to do is move one wire in your budget and then the lights will come on in your life. Now, if the lights aren't coming on in your life and your finances, but not just finances, I'm going to read to you the blessings right now about, about what God can do. If you give him a 10th of your treasure, what he'll do in your life. And most of this stuff money can't buy. And so when you come in and you're on church, you've been spending your entire life to do this. And you're just like, oh my goodness, he'll do this. If I part with my treasure, I'm already parting with, with my treasure. Let's move a wire in my budget to get this right. And so see, but money is a tool. It's not a baby. So don't have feelings about it. It's, it's a tool. It's not a baby. And some of us, you treat money like it's your baby. And then see, you're supposed to be emotionally attached to the harvest, not to the seed, because the Bible says the seed has to die. And if you love the seed too much, and if you eat the seed too much, then you won't have the harvest and it's on you. And so what God wants to do is put you in a place of greatest blessing. So, so if you live your life with closed hands, you're always talking yourself out of being generous with God and with people. Here's the deal. You're supposed to be generous with God and people, and you're supposed to be kind of stingy with yourself. And some of us, we're way too generous with ourselves, but we're stingy with God and with people. Well, love, remember, comes from giving. And you are here for two reasons, to connect with God and people. And if you don't love, you don't connect. You'll never feel happy. You'll never feel fulfilled because giving is the path to all of those things. And so it's like washing your hands with soap. But some of you, you don't think, you don't understand things about money. When God gives you something, you close your hand on it. And God's like, well, that was just the test because I got this whole bucket over here that I want to. Your hands are closed. I can't give it to you. You're going to. Money was meant to go through your hands like hand soap. You're supposed to wash it off so the fragrance comes with you. When God gives you something, you're supposed to turn around and give it away so that he can give you more. You're dealing with a bank that never runs dry. Yeah. 
And it's just like, yeah, yeah. God blesses your family. You give a little way. God blesses you. You just keep doing this like, and God just keeps pouring and pouring and pouring. And as the years go on, it gets greater and greater and greater. The more you give, the more you want to, not the other way around. Why? Because giving fixes your heart and makes you more generous and more like Jesus. And the more you give, the more you want to. Well, pastor, I wish that I would give. I wish that I would want to give. So give more. Well, but God loves a cheerful giver and I'm not cheerful. But mom, I should be cheerful when I'm cleaning my room. Just clean your dang room. Get in there. Kick the toys across the... Just clean your room and then you'll feel like it. Or not. Clean your room. Listen, living in a clean life financially is much better than leaving toys all over the floor and clutter and you got to do the sweep every month and it stresses you out and you're living a life that's unmanaged and undisciplined and you just got all your stuff everywhere. You're not enjoying it anyways. And so God wants to just kind of clean us up a little bit. Here's the harvest I want you to get emotionally connected to. And I want you to take this out of the, take the struggle of finance and giving to God out of, out of your kids' lives. If you teach them when they're little, the Bible says they will not depart from this. And um, if it's hard for you, don't make it hard for your kids. You can take that away real easy for them. I'll show you how in a sec. Here's the harvest that God promises in the word of God that I'm going to get to. He moves you out from under the curse. So how many people look around at the world today? It's kind of cursed. There's the earthly economy, man, is cursed. It's the There's a curse that, see, God gave the earth to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve turned around and gave it to the devil. So the devil still has dominion in a lot of places. Ultimately, every knee will bow, but God only, he still uses people because that's who the world was created for. And so he only works through people that will give him their lives. That's his inroad into the world right now until the day that every knee bows until the last day. And so he wants to move you out from the earth's curse and the devil's dominion, but not just in your finances, in every area. He wants your your marriage out from under the curse of, of the earth. And that Adam and Eve thing, he wants it out into the kingdom of heaven. He wants everything there. So he moves you out from under the curse. He opens windows for you. God says, open, I'll open the windows of heaven. And you're like, and what do you want next? God's like, giving your tenth removes the latch so that I can. Because if he can't trust you with the tenth that already belongs to him, the Bible says, like, hi, I gave everything to you in the first place. You think that you earn money because you're smart? There was 10 other people that should have got that job and not you. And the angels of God just went, boom, boom, let's put your name on top of there. You're like, I got it because I'm smart. And the angels are like, oh my goodness, is everybody this dumb? <laughs> look, look, I'm not saying you don't earn money. You don't have to work hard. That's your part. But I'm saying you could break your back tomorrow and not be able to go to work. And God would still take care of you. Well, you got to do what you can do so that God can do what God can do. So he'll open windows heaven. Here's what else I think, because I can open uh, doors for my daughters that they can't open. Uh, where should I take my car? Go to this guy. You know, well, where should I do this? Oh, go talk to her, yeah. right? I can open windows with my influence and God is trying to open windows and doors for you that you can't ever open on your own. You don't know enough people. Yeah. And God's like, hey, I'm trying to do this. I want to open windows, par with the 10th and, and uh, honor me. I'll honor you. Yeah. It'll work out. Uh, he'll pour out blessing. So great you can't contain it. I think this talks about satisfaction. Yeah. Satisfaction. I mean, I, I honestly just think that happiness is a switch that God throws on. And uh, everybody's trying to spend 10% of your life, happiness comes from circumstance. Yeah. And you spend 100% of your time praying about your circumstance. Uh -huh. God's like, well, why don't you give me your tithe and then I'll turn the happiness switch on so you enjoy what you do have. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Happiness belongs to the Lord. All right. Abundant crops. God will guard your crops from insects and disease. Anybody got investments out there? That COVID insects or... Okay. Um, I believe that that also speaks about your children. 
Because often in the Bible, the, the, the fruit of the vine is your children. And I believe, my dad said this to me when I was young. He said, son, I don't spend a lot of time praying for you boys. I bring my tithe to the storehouse and God rebukes the devil over the, the fruit of my ground, which is you. And that always stuck with me. I'm like, right, obedience is better than sacrifice. And so I thought, wow, that's powerful. So we would get a, a dollar a week for allowance. If you want to teach a, a, a six-year-old how to give, give him a dollar a week for allowance. It doesn't cost you anything. Give him a dollar a week. And, and 10 cents of that, he'd give it on Saturday night. 10 cents, better go to God. And the offering in Sunday school, we never had, my brother and I had zero problems tithing because it, we, it never belonged to us. Yeah. I'm like, well, this doesn't belong to me. I'm just going to give it back to God. And zero. If you're struggling with it, take the struggle away from your kids. Teach them how to do it. Incentivize them. I'll buy them ice cream and let them give a tent. No, I'm just, that's weird. Um, this is what he promises. No premature loss of harvest. Others will call you blessed. Your land will be a delight. It's not a delight right now. Why? Because our grandfathers and great-grandfathers came, if they were Christ followers, came and brought a tithe of the land back to God. And then somewhere along the way, we started spending it on us. And just, it's a cycle. It's a cycle. Then the land is given over to the devourer. Well, we need to, look, if you won't return in your neighborhood, what hope do your neighbors have? Yeah. You're the first fruits of that neighborhood to God. Bring your first fruits to Christ so that their souls can come into the kingdom of God. All right, Leviticus uh, 27. Anybody a huge fan of the book of Leviticus? <laughs> yeah, you are. God formalizes tithing uh, in the law of Moses. He says, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord, must be set apart to him as holy. Remember that word set apart? Consecration, right? Jesus loves spiritual babies, but he wants you to, to set it, your life apart and to growing up in the faith is becoming more holy and becoming more like God in your character. Setting apart, consecrated. Well, he's like, I can't consecrate you. I can't consecrate your heart. Some of you are dealing with addictions, but you won't part with the tithe. And God's like, I can't consecrate your heart until you consecrate your wealth. So set it apart. Count off every tenth animal from your herds and flocks and set them apart for the Lord as holy set them apart. And so my sermon today, because I know that money is emotional for you, but it shouldn't be because it's not a baby. Um, so I called it the 10th crunchy as in crunchy chocolate bar, because it's my favorite chocolate bar. I have an illustration that's really going to drive it home. Mostly because some of you have been fasting for 21 days. Anybody? And you've been fasting chocolate, ladies. And I'm not sure why I'm using chocolate because it's probably more emotional than money right now. Got to let the seed die. You got to let it die. Uh, all right. Now, this is how tithing, the, the concept of giving a tenth away. Now, the, t the word tithe means one-tenth. It doesn't mean one-tooth. You know, like a 2% or 12% or you no know, tithing. And then the offerings are on top of that. So, so the word tithing means that when I talk to unchurched people, I'm like, so here's the deal. If you give a tenth of what you make to God, and lots of unchurched people do this, by the way, and huge businesses do this as well on the prophets, because it's a blessing that happens to them because it's part of how the world works. And so they're very generous, and, and I don't know if God blesses them, right? But it works, so they keep giving it. Why else would you give it away if it doesn't work, right? And so, and I always say this, pastors say this all the time. I've never heard one pastor ever have to do this. It's the only place in the Bible that God says, test me. So try it for six months, give a full 10th. If you can show me you give a full 10th and it doesn't work, I'll give you all your money back. And no pastor anywhere has ever had to. Why? Because I got a big father and he can do it. He's like, oh, just try it out. Oh my goodness, guys. Like, all right. Um, 
This is how it sounds to church people. Give a tenth of what you make to God, and God's like, and I'll guarantee the 10%. So 0% risk, and I'll turn the 10% into 30, 60, and 100, not percent, fold. 30 times, 60 times, 100 times return on your initial investment. And I'll do all the promises that I just told you I would do that no amount of money can buy. I'll do all of that too, because I can But church folk, somewhere along the way what happens is we get a little bit lazy and we get a little unconsecrated and we stop giving or we stop giving what we ought to be giving back to God. And and then what we have to do, because for sin to stay in your life, uh, first it has to tell you a story first. And then one day you repeat the story and then you repeat it again and then you repeat it again. And whenever I talk to somebody who, who... has not biblical views, Christian people, about tithing, I, they say it the same way every single time. Why? Because they're rehearsing something. Yeah. Yeah. They're not remembering something. If, if you are accessing memory, you're not word for wording things. If I tell a story, I tell it differently because I'm actually remembering what happened and sometimes I put part A and part B and sometimes the words are a little bit different because I'm actually trying to remember what actually happened, right? Well, that's a whole yeah. psychological yeah. thing. Somebody just explained your fights in marriage. So that didn't actually happen? No, you just told yourself a story that that's what they said. Anyways, that's a whole other thing. Church folk, here's some of the story that we tell ourselves of why God doesn't require the 10th anymore. So, so well, wait, wait a minute, Pastor. I thought that, that uh, the, Jesus came and did away with the law of Moses. Let me explain that. No, Jesus said, I, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. But, but he, said, he said this. Um, he said, not one punctuation mark in the law is going to go away until it's fulfilled. God hasn't like changed his mind and like, oh, I was like, what was I thinking with the law of Moses? I'm going to change it with Jesus and just be like, that stuff? Yeah, no, that was for idiots back then. <laughs> no, um, listen, I mean, unless it didn't, Jesus didn't come to do away with the law of morality. Murder is still murder. It's still wrong. In fact, Jesus tightened up morality. Well, it's not, adultery is not just adultery. It's like, even if you look at somebody else and think about it, you've committed it in your heart. So Jesus came and tightened up morality. What Jesus did was he came and dealt with sacrifice. That's why we don't sacrifice and bring goats to church. And I don't know if they let us do that here. <laughs> it's like a weird movie. No, but that's, that was the only way to atone for sin was the blood of an animal. And now Jesus, the Lamb of God, was... So he fulfilled all the sacrifices. One sacrifice now has done it for you forever. The, the, when the blood of Jesus has let his death applied to your life so that you can live in the resurrected power of God. That's what salvation is like. I can't pay for my sins. Jesus, would you please? I'll give the rest of my life to you. That's what salvation is. But salvation stands apart. There's no works tied to it. But if you want the blessing, well, you're going to have to fight for the blessing. Now, that was the law of Moses. Moses didn't start tithing. Abraham did. Read your Bible. And I believe he taught Isaac too. And Jacob said, of everything that comes in, God, I'll give you a tenth. So it's been going on for years by the time it's formalized in the law of Moses anyways. And um, so sometimes people say that, Christians say that, well, you know, the law of Moses. uh, It's not a good argument because it's not true. (laughs) Um, It's just a story that I think we tell ourselves. And we say, well, Jesus, wasn't Jesus full of... Grace and, you know, we live under grace now. I hear this all the time. The New Testament is all about grace. I'm like, no, Jesus was made of, uh, he was the perfect mix of grace, it says, and truth. And the truth sets you free. You have to bump into this fact that your sins are going to cost you eternity. Like, that doesn't get an easier story to tell. You you can say it any way you want to, but sooner or later you're going to stand before the judge and he's going to be like, no, you got to pay the rent. 
And if you don't have the, the, the price of the son of the living God covering your life and his death, you have no eternal connection with God because you didn't have it here. Because it's an adoption that happens to his family and the blood of Christ pays for the adoption. And so, um, but Jesus was the perfect mix of, of grace and truth and the truth sets you free. So if your life is not free in some area of your life and you're not giving your 10th, well, now we know why. So let's, let's do it, you know? Um, and then some people say this, well, if Jesus told me to do it, I would do it. Whew. I thought I was going to have to argue more. Matthew 23, Jesus says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, you are careful to tithe. Even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. So he says, you tithe like the, the, every, the tenth leaf, the first tenth leaf of a mint plant, but you forget justice and mercy and faith? He says, well, if Jesus told me I would do it, he says, you should tithe, yes. Like, obviously. He's talking to a nation that tithes. He's talking to church people. He's like, yeah, obviously do what you're doing. Obviously tithe. But don't neglect the more important things. Like, I tithe. Here's the, my tenth leaf of the mint plant. And now I'm going to rip off the poor person who lives beside me. In a business deal. And Jesus is like, you idiots. You don't get to pick and choose this. And he's saying, look, tithing is a small thing. Give a tenth away. I'll bless you. It's guaranteed. Isn't it hard? Unless you make it hard. But he's like, look, yeah, okay, but don't forget the big things. But this is what you tell yourself if you want to be stingy with God. You're just like, hey, I'm more concerned about justice. That's why I don't give anything to God. I'm all about faith and love. Oh, no, if you don't give, you don't love. So Jesus is like, no, you don't get to pick and choose. You got to do it all. That's the point of it. That's the point of it. You want to live like the devil lives in his kingdom? He keeps everything. That's good. How you do anything, Christ followers, how you do everything. It matters. It matters. Um, so I've been talking about the blessing. Let me talk about the dark side of the forest a little bit. You know, sometimes as a, as a parent, you got to do this with your kids. Well, God, you're going to see, he's going to be talking about what the curse actually looks like when you live under the curse. And so I'm going to be reading out of the book of Malachi, who was the last prophet until the time of Jesus. 400 years gap where God gives his people a final warning. And he's like, guys, if you won't do the last thing I told you to do, I'm not going to speak anymore. And he speaks specifically about tithing to, the, to his church. That's who he's talking to. And he says, if you won't heed my warning, I'm not talking anymore because God is not like your dad who spoiled you and gave you Disneyland when you wouldn't clean your room. He won't forget. Man, I, if I don't even forget with my daughters, I'm like, do your mom said clean your room or do the dishes? Like, I ain't going to forget about it. And like, hey, let's just pass over that and give you everything that you want. And that's, no, that's what bad dads do. And God is not a... So, but you have to deal with the, the dark things in your kids as well sometimes. Like, you're, sometimes you pray about things you should deal with. That's why you're there. If Jesus wanted to parent your kid, he would do that. He would have sent himself. But he sent you. And so, um, one time, Neela, Aaron's given her the lecture. She's like, okay, okay. Because we don't want her to get abducted. Anybody have this awkward lecture? You got kids? I hope you've given your kids this awkward lecture. So she's like, okay, Neela, if somebody asked you to get into their vehicle... Don't. I mean, unless you see them in our house every week, don't. And if they say they came from mom and dad, don't. Don't get in a vehicle and go anywhere with them. She's like, if they offer you candy, don't. If they offer you puppies, don't. She gives this huge long lecture. I can hear this going on. And then, and then, and then she says, okay, so tell me what I just said. 
she's like, okay, okay. Needless like, she goes, this is when, I don't know how old she was. This, she says, okay. So if somebody offers me a puppy to go with them, I should get the puppy first and then I should go with them. And Pastor Aaron's just like, just take your sisters with you everywhere you go. <laughs> and she's still with us, and so that's good. Malachi chapter 3, 400 years of radio silence followed this morning. And I feel like Christ followers, some of you, you might be experiencing something like this today. I am God. Yes, I am. God says, I haven't changed. And you say this, well, God changed when Jesus came. And he's like, I know what you're going to say. So I'm going to say that my opening statement to the next thing about tithing is going to be that argument that you say, well, you changed God. And it's like, no, I didn't change this. And because I haven't changed, you descendants of Jacob haven't been destroyed. You have a long history of ignoring my commands. Oh, Lord, have mercy. You haven't done a thing I've told you. Return to me so I can return to you. Well, if you feel distant from God, it's not God. God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, but you can leave and forsake him. You ask, how do we return? He says, begin by being honest. Can I say the story that you tell yourself that keeps you from being generous with God? It's a lie. It's just not true. And you've got to start in this place. But here's what I know, that if you accept that story, I've never heard a liar call themselves a liar before. That's why they're liars. Because the first lie the devil wants you to believe is that you're not a liar. Sometimes we just got to be honest with you. I made up a story to sin. If you don't have a story, you can't sin. You got to sell the story out and be like, yeah, that's not true, is it, God? I'm sorry. He goes, begin by being honest. Just begin there. That's how you do it. Do honest people rob God? But you rob me day after day. You ask, how have we robbed you? We're like, we don't even know. So God's just like, okay, Neela. The puppy and then the... No. So Neela doesn't do this anymore. She's much older. The tithe and offering. That's how. And now you're under a curse, the whole lot of you, because you're robbing me. He goes, I can't protect you if you want to live in the devil's house. If you want to live under his system, I can't do anything out there. I want you to set yourself apart. Live in this system. Bring your full tithe to the temple treasury. Other translations say to the storehouse. Meaning like my temple, my house. God says your local church. That's what he's saying. To the temple treasury. So there will be ample. It doesn't say spread it out. It says bring it. Bring it all to the temple treasury. One place. Not plural. So there will be ample provisions in my temple. He's saying if you won't keep the lights on in my temple, I can't keep them on in your house. See, your house comes from the temple, not the other way around. He said, I'm trying to keep the lights on in your house, but you won't keep the lights on in my temple. And then he says, the only place in the Bible, test me and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. For my part, I'll defend you against marauders, protect your wheat fields and vegetable garden against plunderers. You'll be voted happiest nation. There's the word happy. I'll make you happy. I'll turn the happy switch on. You'll be happy. I'm looking at some of you, and I know that in the past couple of years, you've started tithing, and I watch your lives now, and I'm so proud of you. But I don't, you don't even care that I'm proud of you because you're happy. You'll be voted happiest nation. You'll experience what it's like to be a country of grace. God of the angel army says so. I just say we return to the Lord. Or you can fight your whole life against obedience, but that takes more energy. And it's super depressing. But because I know you're emotional about money, I'm going to do an illustration. Jack, can I have those crunchy chocolate bars up here? Don't salivate. 
is my favorite chocolate bar. Does anybody like crunchy chocolate bars? Yeah. Have any of you been told you're weird because you eat the chocolate around the edge first and then you get to that? Nobody does that? Oh, first service, man. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. That's what I do. Aaron thinks it's gross. So I'm going to be talking today. Like if God gives me 10 crunchy bars, that the word, key word is increase. Increase. Like increase to my family, increase to me. The key word is increase. So if God gives me 10 crunchy chocolate bars from the job that I have, from financial investments that return a profit to me, the word is increase. So if it costs me this and I, and I increase that, you know, um, I'll talk about business in a second here, but, but increase um, unemployment. It's, it's feeding you. Government payouts, government inheritance money, capital gains. This is all increasing you. This is what God would, would say he wants the tenth from. Uh, increase is the same word, but because it's, it's money and, and you don't think I should talk to you about money so that God can bless you, I'm going to talk about chocolate bars. So, um, COVID friendly. All right. Um, so if you're a business owner, God might give you 50 crunchy bars in a day. And, uh, but 40 of them, it costs you 40 to pay your employees. You don't have to tithe on their increase. Um, you needed to buy material, but then you, 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 you know, so that is a direct expense for being in business. The lease of the building that you're in. Okay. But the profit, a, a Christian businessman would, would be like, okay, I mark up my material like this, or this is my profit at your end. It's the increase to my company. I'm going to make sure my company is blessed. So I'm going to tithe off of that. Or if you put it back in the business or roll it forward, or you sell a building for more, the increase would come back. So when I sell my business, then I get a, I'm going to tithe on the whole thing. And you know, that's, that's, I think how scripture would explain it to us. So, so now one of these crunchy chocolate bars goes to God. God's like, Hey, I just gave you 10. Can I have one back? And you're like, I might need it later. God's like, you might need 10 more tomorrow too. So I'm just trying to figure out a way to do it. So I want to ask God's representative who's been fasting chocolate. He was transported to the seventh heaven <laughs> and heard inexpressible things of wonder. Oh my goodness. All right. Come on up, worship team. Um, listen, when God puts you in your spiritual family and you keep the lights on for them, then it keeps your spiritual family from getting isolated and falling out of the blessing. Because if you're isolated, you'll eventually fall out of the blessing of God. God put you in a family. God called you to a family. When you pick, keep the lights on in the house, God keeps the lights on in your house, keeps you on track, keeps you corrected, correctable. Okay. Now, this is how my, I would budget it. The first tenth goes to God. And then what I would do is uh, the, the, say two of, of ten or three if you make more money with the exemptions and all that. Who wants to be the government today? You want to be the government? <laughs> all right. There you go, government. This is for schools and hospitals and roads. Um, <laughs> you're already the government. I know how this works. I know you. Who else is the government over here? All right. Um, two go to the government, three go to the government, whatever go to the government. You know, in our, if you're in a nation where all they do is steal your money and run away to Jamaica, some, some nations do that. It could be argued that they're stealing from you. But for me, we tithe pre-tax because I don't want to try to talk God out of giving more. I don't like that spirit in myself. I hate it. God never talked himself out of giving to you. 
Aren't you glad he sent Jesus? He sent the best. I want to send the best. Dave Ramsey would also, he tithes pre-tax. That's how we look at it. That's how we think about it. Um, and uh, your charitable giving also is tax receivable in this country. That's a huge blessing. We get audited every year. <laughs> Just about every year because they can't believe that people actually give. So some of our top givers, they get audited. Well, good for you. Government's like, oh my goodness, you guys actually believe? Yeah, we do. Okay, so I already gave two of these out. Next is, um, who wants to be a bank manager for my house loan? All right, Shannon. Oh, too far. I'm overshooting. Oh, you know what? I did my left hand in the first service. Who else is the bank manager for my house payment? All right. Anybody? Bank manager? Oh my goodness, ready? <laughs> yeah, thanks for catching, guys. Thanks for catching. I just did a trust fall and y'all dropped me. Thanks. Um, all right. Uh, three to the bank manager. Two for food, groceries. Who's got a grocery bill? Nobody. All right. There you go. All right. Who else? Food, haircuts. All right. There you go, buddy. All right. And um, one for utilities. Let's keep the lights on. That's probably important. Keep gas in the furnace. You can all get two. No, only one. Only one. I can't see it. All right. There you go, buddy. Tyler, who does a live stream. Thank you. I think that was him. I can't see him back there. And one just for fun. Maybe savings, everybody. Maybe savings is good for, to take a tent and do that. Um, listen, listen. What if my spouse doesn't agree? What if I don't have control over the money? Well, you have control over something. Grocery money. Look, if God can bring a blessing and a, a tenth back and return it, I'm going to trip over that one day, and return it on everything, he can do it on your grocery budget. And then do like egg day or macaroni day and teach your kids generosity and be like, hey, God is going to bless us. And, and so, or get a job so that you have something to give away. I would, if I had no income, that I would, but everybody's got something. If I didn't, I would go get a job. My kids do that so they can give extra at Christmas time. So God, you know, she, Neela offered to, to shovel my uh, walk for me for a reasonable price. I'm like, yes, because she wanted to give money away. And I love it. Um, look, Spurgeon says, much has been said about giving a tenth of one's income to the Lord. Methinks it is a Christian duty, which none should for a moment question. If it were a duty under Jewish law, much more is it so now under the Christian dispensation. It's a great mistake to suppose that the Jew only gave a tenth. He gave very, very, very much more than that. The tenth was a payment which he must make. But after that came all the free will offerings, all the various gifts at diverse seasons of the year. So that perhaps he gave a third, much more than that, uh, much more likely, uh, certainly than a tenth. Dave Ramsey says, let's start with the basics. Simply put, the tithe is the first 10% of your income that you should give to your local church. It's strictly measured in money. Can't be replaced with giving your time or talents. So take the struggle out and put it in your budget. Because you don't complain about the electricity bill, so your lights come on. Well, keep the lights on in the house of God so your spiritual lights stay on. All right, and because Venue loves you and we have tithers in the house, everybody gets a crunchy bar on the way out.